Welcome everyone to Greencast. This is a podcast that brings practicality to being sustainable. Presented to you by the Waukesha County Green Team. Your hosts are myself, Alec Lapoidovin. And me, Laura Lauks. Welcome everyone. My name is Alec Lapoidovin and I appreciate you joining us for another episode of Greencast. Today I'm sitting down with Greg May. Greg is a transportation policy analyst for an awesome group in this area called 1000 Friends of Wisconsin. He'll get into a little bit about the details of that group and some of the things he's working on. A little background on Greg. He graduated from the University of Michigan with a degree in urban and regional planning. He's done a lot of work in this area, looking at transportation issues across the board, uh, promoting walking, biking, and transit across Wisconsin. He sits on a committee for Wisconsin's Coalition for More Responsible Transportation and also works with Wisconsin Climate Table and the REAMP Network to reduce transportation-related carbon emissions. So I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I, I definitely learned a lot more as I dig deeper into this transportation topic and uh, really enjoyed speaking with Greg. He's got a, a lot of great information and really kind of widened my scope of understanding for this topic. So I hope you all enjoy and please join us for our future episodes. Um, check out our past ones as well, for that matter. And uh, check out our Facebook page. Uh, we, we love to get comments from the audience and some questions generate some conversation, and just uh, have fun talking about these great topics and sustainability. So let's uh, jump into the episode. Yeah, thank you everyone for joining us for another episode of Greencast. Today I'm sitting down with Greg May. And uh, Greg, yeah, thank you for, for jumping on and, and doing this. Um, you know, I appreciate your time. And you know, I think we'll just start out. Why don't you introduce yourself, say a couple of things that you're, you're into now, some of the organizations, and uh, let the audience get to know you a little bit. Yeah, uh, great. Thank you, Alex, for the invitation. I'm happy to be talking tonight. Um, you know, we're, uh, I'm Greg May. I am the Transportation Policy Analyst at 1,000 Friends of Wisconsin. Um, we're a land use and transportation organization based in Madison, Wisconsin, but we work statewide. Um, and we kind of focus on the connection between, um, you know, land use decisions in our communities around Wisconsin um, and the transportation connections between them um, and how they're kind of building communities that are unsustainable and unhealthy and, and trying to kind of implement better policies um, at the community level and at the state level um, to make our communities more healthy, more vibrant, uh, and more sustainable. And so, you know, through our work, we're working with coalitions around the state, like Coalition for More Responsible Transportation that is trying to promote, um, you know, more and more transit at the state level. Uh, we work with the Wisconsin Climate Table on climate change issues, especially around transportation. Um, and we've taken over Wisconsin Active Together, which is a kind of a coalition of communities around Wisconsin that promote walking and biking. So doing a lot of work statewide and really focusing on land use, um, sound land use decisions and promoting more walking, biking and transit in Wisconsin. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, our main conversation topic today is going to be the, the transportation side of things. And, you know, looking at a bit of your bio, I saw a bunch of stuff you're into, including the climate table, which is cool. You're going at it with a little bit of the transportation angle. Um, and, you know, us over at the green team are 
you know, we, we work with the, the Wisconsin climate table as well. So it's cool that there's a little bit of crossover there. Um, you know, what is your, your, I guess, main role as the transportation policy a- analyst? What, what does that position do? It's a really good question. Um, <laughs> so first of all, I just want to give a shout out to the folks at the green team. Uh, hopefully Deb's listening to her say hi. Um, <laughs> we, um, but as the, uh, the transportation policy analyst, it's really my job to illuminate the connection between uh, transportation and land use. You know, so how our communities are laid out has an enormous impact on how our transportation system functions, you know, where we decide to build housing, where we allow, um, you know, workplaces to operate, where we have commercial, um, you know, buildings, really has an enormous impact on how we live, work, and, and play in our cities and how we get between them. Um, and so people don't really necessarily make this connection between land use and transportation, but you know, if we end up separating out all of these uses to the point where, you know, driving a car is the only option that you have, you know, realistically to get around in your community, it's going to have an enormous impact. Um, the two of them kind of are almost interrelated. You know, the more we kind of support automobile infrastructure, the more we end up separating our land use and, and kind of sprawling environments. Um, so we... As a, trans, as a transportation policy analyst, it's my job to kind of illuminate that topic and to promote more sustainable options in our communities. You know, thinking about um, more dense living, more mixed use kind of zoning in our communities, as well as, um, you know, transportation policy decisions that promote more sustainable options like walking, biking, and transit. Um, because those two, you know, more mixed use, dense communities um, kind of promote more walking, biking, and transit. The two of them kind of work in a, in a relationship like that. So um, it's my job to promote those in the communities we work with and at the state level. Yeah, you brought up some really interesting points that um, you know I've really been introduced to through some of this transportation talk. And, and I think the part about zoning, you know, and, and kind of mixing the, the zoning up so that we have more options of transportation. Um, do you have any examples within you know, Waukesha County that you could kind of relate to the audience of how this works? It's a really good question. You know, my, we see, I mean, Waukesha County is a really fantastic example um, of just kind of this connection between land use and and transportation. Um, Really, a lot of our focus works has been on the kind of the disconnect between where jobs are and where potential employees are. Um, so we see a lot of jobs in Waukesha County um, that are kind of, at least in the before COVID times, you know, we were hearing from a, a lot of employers that were just, you know, sc- screaming at the top of their lungs that they just weren't able to fill positions. They had so many openings, especially in uh, in later shifts, and you know, they just couldn't get reliable employment. And then in Milwaukee, we have lots of people who are looking for jobs, and they just are unable to access them. And so, um, you know, this kind of land use and transportation system kind of interconnects in that way where, you know, because we are such an automobile dominated society, there are, and not everyone can drive, you know, there are tons of people who, who for any number of reasons cannot drive, they can't afford to drive, they're unable to drive, um, or they choose not to drive. In fact, a, a growing number of our population is, is choosing not to drive. Um, 
you know, they are unable to access so much of this employment because we have just decided to, in our land use decisions, to put, you know, a lot of suburban office parks and jobs that are on the fringes of our communities that makes it really difficult to access unless you have a car. And we don't think about it because, you know, in the back of our mind, everyone's got a car. So, you know, this isn't a problem, but, you know, the interplay between these two decisions about where we're putting our jobs and where people live is having a huge impact. And we're seeing that play out in Waukesha County a lot, um, you know, because the bus lines, because Milwaukee County is a, the transit system is a county-based system. Most of the bus lines just end at the Milwaukee County line. And so there's a real disconnect between how many jobs people can access um, and where the jobs are located. Yeah, that point right there, that talking about jobs, uh, I've, uh, you know, I have to be honest, I never really realized that until I started real, you know, getting into more of what transportation really means for a community. And the fact that, yeah, we, you know, see a lot of, you know, help wanted signs, that's what I'm looking for, you know, in this area. And then we hear, you know, kind of in the media that there are a bunch of people without jobs and we never really connect those dots. So it's really cool to hear that there are people out there thinking about this and it, and it comes down to, yeah, public transit system or um, like you mentioned before, the infrastructure. We are such a, a car-based infrastructure that, um, you know, we just assume everyone has a vehicle that they can get to these jobs when, you know, they can't just magically have all this happen. And, and then sometimes, you know, it's quite a commute. So, um, you know, that's really cool. You're working on that. Um, and do you see any kind of hope for that to, to kind of pan out here in the future? Do you have anything that, you know, maybe can, can help us see that picture a little better? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a ton of groups that are working on this issue statewide. I should I should note that, you know, the story that's happening between Milwaukee County and, and Waukesha County is a story that's told across the entire state. Um, you know, it happens in Madison because, you know, it's Madison's transit system can only access certain communities and they have these really special agreements. There just isn't, you know, transportation thought of on a regional scale like that. And so that story is not unique. To Waukesha County, but it is very true there. Um, and you know, we, we do see um, a lot of people starting to change their thinking about transportation and land use. Um, and you know, especially in the business community, um, there were a lot of we started to see uh, before COVID. You know, a lot of folks uh, really starting to talk about regional transit authorities and, and the important role that they could play. Um, kind of connecting jobs um, and thinking about transportation on a regional scale, kind of making sure that our communities are, are interconnected and, and thinking about this because in our transportation decision, our transportation system shouldn't just end um, arbitrary you know, borders. You know, our communities flow in between each other, but often the transportation systems just butt up against a barrier and they can't go past them. And so um, we see a lot, we see a lot of um, kind of, a groundswell of po folks thinking about uh, regional transit. We see it from the business community and from advocates. And so um, that's a, that's one solution that I, I think we continue to pursue. Um, and I remain optimistic about as to kind of solving this issue, you know, so that we can really better connect people to, you know, the jobs that are out there and that hopefully this won't be a problem in the future. You know, it sounds like there is some hope for these systems to you know, expand. Um, I'd like to, to touch on some of the, the different types of transportation that you've 
looked at, um, you know, and since this is about sustainability, what modes of transportation do you really emphasize as more sustainable for the future of transportation and for the community? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's a lot of different solutions for in the transportation world in terms of sustainability. And, you know, nationwide in the United States, uh, transportation is now the largest contributor to climate change that contributes the most greenhouse gases. Um, and, you know, a lot of that, almost 60% of those emissions are just coming from individual cars, from car owners who are driving and commuting to work and into the grocery store and to, and to pick up their kids from school. Um, and so, you know, we are really looking at transportation now um, as it's critical in the kind of fight against uh, climate emissions and trying to reduce climate emissions. Um, and so when we think about what's more sustainable, we at a thousand friends are really promoting walking, biking and transit as the core of these, um, as our kind of mission to reduce transportation emissions. Part of that is just because it's, you know, they're more sustainable, they, re they produce less emissions, obviously walking and biking are, are zero emission forms of travel, but uh, transit is also a low uh, carbon version of, of transportation and with the advent of electric buses, maybe a zero form of carbon transportation in the future. But we also promote them because they're more sustainable from a fiscal standpoint as well. You know, our transportation budget has been for the last two decades, almost solely focused on uh, highway expansion above pretty much all other forms of travel. Um, and, and so the, we've, we see these kind of budget debates that bubble up at the state level. Um, you know, should we raise the gas tax? Should we not raise the gas tax? What's the best way to fund our roads? Um, and that's kind of the part of the reason that's happening is because a lot of local roads around the entire state are crumbling. And yet we're continuing to push for highway expansions that cost hundreds, if not uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, if not a billion dollars, like the I-94 project, which is currently being promoted in Milwaukee. It's a three and a half mile uh, highway expansion that would add one lane in each direction and is expected to cost uh, $1.1 billion. Um, and that's for a three and a half mile road. And so we've seen these kind of highway expansion projects happen, you know, across the state. And we are constantly expanding our highways rather than fixing what we already have. And so we have a, an enormous backlog in tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in every county um, and in communities across the state who are unable to fix their local roads while we continue to pay for these kind of highway expansions. And so we have a backlog that we're not addressing and we're just adding more by making these select highways larger. Um, and so we believe that walking, biking, and transit are a far more sustainable form of transportation. For one thing, that infrastructure costs less, but it's also producing a lot less carbon emissions. So from a sustainability standpoint, they just make sense. You know, uh, about, about 40% of our trips happen between one and three miles. That's what people take, you know, if that's going to the grocery store or the park or to visit friends. Um, and those are trips that can be achieved by walking and biking. Um, and so we just need to build an infrastructure that is, you know, more conducive to that form of travel so that people can get out of their cars and walk and bike more. Um, and that can, you know, reduce a, a ton of our trips and really make a big impact on our uh, emissions and it'll cost less. And then for the rest of those trips, trying to promote public transportation, um, which again is also a less costly form 
of transportation. So, you know, just on that one point, you know, this I-94 expansion, this three and a half mile uh, highway expansion that's adding one lane in each direction and then repairing the road is going to cost $1.1 billion, which is more expensive than the entire passenger rail project from Madison to Milwaukee that was planned about 10 years ago. So, you know, it's just an incredibly costly way of going about things if we continue to focus on highway expansions when we could be focusing on things that are better for our environment, like walking, biking, and transit. Now, do you think, you know, we, we, when we focus on some of those highway expansions, where does that stem from? Does that really stem from the fact that we just drive a lot of cars? I mean, is it is it awareness of other public transportation systems? Is it, um, you know, A, B, or C? I mean, there's there's got to be some core to that, uh, you know, and I guess, I again, I have to admit, you know, I'm learning so much talking, you know, to, to transportation ex- experts like yourself that, you know, I was just oblivious to some of these things. So it's interesting to get this perspective, but why is it not out there? Sure. It's a really good question, you know, because, you know, a lot of people like to drive. I mean, I have, I own a car. I'm not going to, uh, you know, say that I don't. You almost need one to survive now. And, um, but, you know, part of this, the reason why is just for decades. I mean, really since the 1950s, when we started building out the, inter, uh, the interstate system, we have been prioritizing cars above all other forms of travel. I mean, in Wisconsin, it's not even close. So, you know, especially for the last 20 years, pretty much any new dollar that we have gotten in our transportation fund has gone to highways or, or road expansion in the last 20 years. In fact, if you adjust for inflation, um, the amount of money that we have for transit systems has actually decreased over the last two decades. So, you know, part of it is that people like to drive and part of it is that we've invested a ton of money into making that be the easiest form of travel for you. And pretty much all of our, all of our new investment has gone to that. While on the flip side, our transit systems have not received really any substantial increase in funding over the last two decades. And so, you know, as inflation catches up and the maintenance cost for older vehicles starts to rise, you know, we see major cutbacks in our transit systems. And so, this starts an insidious cycle where we, as soon as we start pulling money out of our transit systems, we have to cut back either on service or frequency, and the just the whole transit system becomes less useful. So then less people are riding it. And then the next time we come to a budget cycle, we look at it and we say, well, less people are riding it, so we shouldn't be, you know, there's no reason to increase funding, less people are using it. So then again, these budgets become tighter and tighter and service becomes cut back. And so it becomes less useful for people. So less people write it. And the next time we come to a budget cycle, they point to it and say, look, less people are writing. And we are in this kind of death spiral now where, you know, we will make arguments that are just for highway expansion above all else. You know, saying that if we don't expand this highway in Milwaukee, you know, the economy won't fall apart and, you know, everyone will be stuck in traffic while at the same time making no arguments for transit, even though, you know, across the state, you know, hundreds of people, hundreds of thousands of people rely on transit in Wisconsin. And, you know, we're making no arguments to try and support that and to improve that system for them. And so it's just made the car look like the best possible system because that's where all of our money is gone. 
and we haven't really been fair to transit or to walking and biking in this state. You know, so so you know, of course, the car wins out at the end of the day. Yeah, and I, if you explain all that, I really can see how that would play out. Um, it, it, yeah, I mean, we all have a vehicle, and it, it is kind of portrayed as the the way of getting from point A to point B. Um, you know, and I guess I, you know, being a sci-fi nerd, I think of like the, you know, the the automated vehicles that get you around, and you know all electric, you know, all the, the cool sciencey ways you could go about it. Do you, do you foresee any of the new technology coming out really helping this public transit model, you know, take off or, you know, do you see maybe the electric vehicle being like, okay, we're cutting emissions so we can take the, the responsible environmentally friendly route, get the electric vehicle and our problems are solved. That's another great question, and as a sci-fi nerd I, as well, I can tell you that you know I follow these things pretty closely. Um, you know, we we're all in favor of electric vehicles, you know, because when it comes to an internal bus combustion engine vehicle like the ones we have now, I would gladly take an electric vehicle any day for anyone. You know, while they are zero carbon forms of transportation. Um, they still rely on our electric grid, which is unfortunately a little coal heavy in Wisconsin. So they still rely on non-renewable energy. So they're not perfect, but it's a much preferable alternative to internal combustion engine cars. Now, the reason we're not promoting that as the primary solution is because even if we took every car off the road right now and made it an electric vehicle, it would not solve, you know, our infrastructure issue. You know, there would still be congestion. You know, our roadways would still need to be expanded. That would still take up a huge amount of our funding to expand roadways. And, you know, vehicle travel and the infrastructure associated with it has had a really terrible effect on our society, um, especially in minority and communities of color um, and low-income communities. Um, we know currently right now um, that communities of color are exposed to more vehicle particulate matter. Um, it's, it's pretty much a direct line uh, that the, the more white a uh, census tract becomes, the less exposed they are to this particular matter um, and vice versa. So, um, you know, our you know, communities of color are, and neighborhoods of color are being exposed to far more vehicle particulate matter. And they're also being um far more exposed to the dangers of these of these vehicles in terms of pedestrian accidents, you know, um, the, you know, a disproportionate number of pedestrian accidents that happened in Milwaukee County, for instance, happened in uh, neighborhoods of color and things. So even if we replace that with an electric vehicle, we're still going to have a system that is, um, you know, that negative impacts are still disproportionately affecting communities of color. I mean, it still doesn't solve our earlier question about, um, you know, the, the connection between uh, where jobs are and where people live for people who cannot or do not drive. So, you know, while I like electric vehicles as a solution, um, there are still some faults with that. And, you know, they don't kind of solve the inherent issues with our transportation system. Um, so a lot of the inequities in our transportation system won't be solved by that. Um, I can dive into automated vehicles too, but that's a little bit farther outside of my realm um, and a little bit, I mean, if this part makes it into the podcast or not, it's your choice, but it's definitely a, a topic that is still too far in the future to tell what could happen. 
you know, we envision kind of two different scenarios. One where, um, you know, automated vehicles are kind of introduced as a car sharing system um, because for the vast majority of time that people own a car, it sits idle. I mean, I think I can't even, it's like more than 90%. I can't even remember the stat on how often your, your car sits idle, but think about, you know, all the people listening, you know, how many hours a day are you driving versus how many hours is it sitting in your garage or in a parking lot while you're working or, you know, just waiting to be driven. Um, so you could imagine a world where we, not everyone needs to own a car. You could split a car ownership or a, a car sharing service could exist where you would just need a car to get you from work or to, you know, out to like the bars with your friends or something, um, you know, or going to a movie or whatever, or picking up your kids from school. Um, and not everyone has to own a car. Um, and we could, you know, envision a society where all that space that's given to parking lots could be reduced and we could have, a, um, you know, a better, more dense communities. Um, or on the flip side of automated vehicles, you know, we, we could live in a world where your morning commute is perfectly timed. And so, you know, you, you, what used to take you 20 minutes, you know, say in 20 minutes, you could travel five miles. Maybe now you can travel 10 miles and still do it in 20 minutes because all the cars are moving at the same speed. And it creates a society where our, you know, communities are even further sprawled out and more people are driving because it's easier. Um, and so our, you know, our communities continue this inequities, um, you know, as, as people move farther and farther out, we have a sprawl, more sprawling and sprawling society. So um, to answer your question about automated vehicles, if you wanted to include this portion or not, it's, it's definitely still early, too early to tell, but there are potential solutions and potential faults there that um, we have theorized about, but really are, I mean, it would, you, you would just be speculating at this point as to what, what kind of way we would go. Yeah, well, you brought up a whole bunch of cool stuff within that part. Um, you know, the one part I want to touch on, especially is, you know, you hit the demographic and cultural issues that are really not addressed in a talk on transportation. I mean, it's it's probably one of the furthest, furthest things from anyone's mind when it comes to, you know, whether there's more public transportation or how this goes. Um, so thank you for jumping into that, because that's something I really think is important for more people to be aware of is that, you know, there's there's a big disparity between some of these you know groups of people. And it, it definitely would benefit both sides. You know, like you mentioned before, there's a lot of people in Milwaukee that could use you know transportation to get out to a lot of people that have open jobs out here, you know, business owners that could use the you know, the extra help. Um, but yeah, definitely got to address the automated car part of that. Cause I do think that's cool. You know, the car sharing aspect, you know, but I, you know, I guess I could include myself in this. I've got everything in my, my truck. I mean, I use it for my business. So I, I need my, you know, tools and all the, the stuff I have in there. Um, so it'd be hard for me to think of jumping into a random car you know, but I could also see if it's an automated vehicle, sharing it with the family. Like there's one or two vehicles, like, you know, you keep it within a community or, or something. But, you know, that sci-fi part of my brain just can go off and, you know, probably run on some tangents with it. But, you know, I think a combination of some of these ideas would benefit, you know, the, the bigger picture. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> thanks for mentioning that, too, that the 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 ride share type of deal 
Yeah. I think would be pretty cool to see. I mean, you could certainly imagine, I I love this topic, you could certainly imagine a a world where a family has a car that is shared between, you know, family members and, you know, the duty of the, you know, the oldest sibling to go pick up the kids from the various places could, would just be passed off to an app and an app could be having a car drive around to all the various tasks and picking someone up from basketball while someone's picking, you know, someone up from picking up groceries over here and doing X, Y, and Z and picking someone up from Susie's house and, so there's a lot of that. I mean, you could imagine a world where, um, you know, trucks and things are being shared, but that would that's a, definitely a more of a uh, something that would have to be figured out. But I think that the greatest asset of a world with without automated vehicles, or sorry, a world with automated vehicles, would be that there would be no more drunk driving. You know, if if a world where everyone's automated, the concept of drunk driving is no longer a, a concept, and I think that that is in and of itself an, an amazing concept um, and, you know, may alone make the technology worthy of, especially in this state, worthy of pursuing. You know, I think that's definitely, you know, a lot of the hazards on the road, a lot of the, um, you know, dangers of having a bunch of people, you know, and I guess texting comes to mind too, you know, the road rage Absolutely. issues, certainly the drunk driving, the, you know, you name it, there's, there's a lot of, you know, accidents on roads and, you know, the automated vehicles would certainly correct some of that. And, you know, I also think traffic, you know, it's like you got a computer running that there's an algorithm, it's figuring it all out. It's, you know, going, going the most efficient routes, you know, and, and that you know cutting off those those issues of people speeding to get to work because they're late and causing accidents so yeah i could definitely see some some cool aspects of that but um i'd like to jump back to that uh you know the, the demographic and cultural aspects of this you know again because this isn't talked about that much um what what have you looked at through a thousand friends and through um, I know you're also part of the, the Wisconsin Coalition for More Responsible Transportation. Um, anything that you can speak on specifically that addresses that? You know, is it more bus systems? Is it better ride sharing? Is it, you know, separate lane for, you know, commuter vehicles? I know we've got commuter lanes on, you know, ramps, but is it something more specific that would really help cross these borders? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that would probably be a good time to plug a report that we're working on, which is our uh, Blueprint 2050, which is a report we're putting out um, that is looking at a what a zero carbon transportation system would look like in Wisconsin in 2050, and how do we get there? And so we're you know we're looking we're trying to find a system um, that is sustainable both from a carbon emission standpoint and from a fiscal standpoint. Um, and so that's a report we've been working on that kind of answers some of the questions you've been asking um, or you just asked. Um, and we're hoping to have it out in October. Um, and so kind of to answer your question, we really need to be looking at our transportation system in a more holistic and sustainable way. Um, when if you look at this report, you'll see that pretty much what we've decided is to fund at the state level is exclusively highway expansion and the automobile. And we've been doing that for about two decades. And it has led us to a place where we are 
we have an uncontrollable amount of bonding at the state level. We're just borrowing money to build roads. We actually take money from the general fund, um, which is money that's used for education and healthcare. Um, money is transferred every year from that fund to fund highway expansion. Um, and you know, we've just reached a point where our revenues aren't matching what, what they're deciding to build. And so we need to think more holistically about our, our transportation system to make sure that not only is it more sustainable from a, uh, you know, a carbon emission standpoint, from a budget, but from a budget standpoint as well. And we want it to be working for everyone. This system we have right now does not work for everyone. It works really great for anyone who has a car. But there's a lot of people in Wisconsin that don't have a vehicle or that are unable to drive. And this system does not work well at all for them. And so we need to be thinking about investing in uh, public transportation wherever we can. If that's regional transit authorities so that communities can uh, bond uh, together and pass a sales tax that they then use to support transit across municipalities and across communities and across counties, that would be one way to do it. Um, we need to kind of return to, we had a complete streets program in, in Wisconsin where in 2009, they, they passed a law that, you know, any sort of walking and biking infrastructure needed to be included in any project that received state funding. Um, so just trying to make sure that we're incorporating walking and biking infrastructure, um, where feasible across the state so that it's no longer an afterthought. Um, that rule was changed in 2015, really weakened. Um, and so we're trying to get that rule kind of returned to its 2009 state so that we're putting walking and biking as a priority again. Um, you know, and, and thinking about passenger rail, um, you know, as just an incredibly efficient, low carbon form of transportation. We have, uh, you know, already have a lot of the infrastructure in this state. We're not building new rails. Um, and so just seeing where that's feasible and expanding passenger rail uh, between our major communities are probably three of the things that would work to, you know, kind of solve this crisis um, and put us on a path that is more sustainable, both fiscally, but also, um, you know, from an environmental standpoint as well. Yeah, you you mentioned the, the rail systems. So would this be more, you know, I guess I've been to, you know, cities where they've got the subways. So this would be kind of like in Chicago, they've got the above ground rail system. Um, again, I kind of look at that and it's like the infrastructure, um, you, you know, it's where, where would you put a system like this? Like if you had, you know, the go ahead and it was like, all right, we're putting in a rail system, you know, Milwaukee to Madison. I know they've already kind of proposed that, but maybe, you know, explain a little bit about how that would really help the, the flow of traffic and how that could, you know, benefit these communities. I know it would um you know we've got buses that go between the, the the cities now but that's not everyone's favorite form of transportation um it's cool we've got that but i i'm definitely curious about the rail what what could you say on that yeah absolutely we're not you know promoting say a mass transit style system that you know chicago has um you know we need to be flexible with you know what's realistic uh in wisconsin and, and, and individual communities around wisconsin um and so, you know, when we think about how much space it takes up to travel, an individual takes to travel, um, you know, there's a really amazing graphic out there. If you, if you look it up, you know, how much space it takes to move like 70 bicyclists versus 70 people riding transit versus 70 cars. 
Um, you know, obviously, this, the amount of space it takes to move 70 people by cars is just an enormous amount of space, you know, especially as we kind of enter a new love affair with uh, trucks and SUVs. Um, and so, you know, that becomes incredibly expensive. And so part of the reason why transit is really popular um, and, and a great solution is because we can just move people more efficiently while taking up less space. Um, you know, if we, if, if we can try and ensure that every single person can get in their car and drive everywhere all the time as fast as they can, we would end up just with a world that is entirely paved over. Um, and so we need to try and find other solutions. Um, you know, it's, and so passenger rail is another one of those. If we can build a reliable passenger rail system that kind of connects, say, Madison and Milwaukee, you know, just the amount of people who are driving on that corridor every day um, that could be reduced be significant. Um, and then even some of the commuter options, like, you know, so about 10 years ago, the state was considering uh, a commuter rail line that would connect Milwaukee, Kenosha, and Racine, would run about 15 trains, 15 trips a day. Um, and so, you know, trying the amount of cars and vehicles that that would take off the road, the amount of people um, that, you know, would fit onto one train, just imagine how many cars that would take off of the road. Um, transporting between those communities and then all of the money that would be saved not having to expand those highways to accommodate those vehicles um, to offset some of those costs. So, um, you know, we promote passenger rail in that style just because it, you know, in, in many ways it's not only more sustainable for our community, but it would also take a lot of cars off the road, which are, you know, one of the most dangerous things people to do. Um, this is getting off topic and I apologize already uh, <laughs> you have to do the editing, but you were mentioning it earlier about how, you know, deadly some, some, you know, getting around in a car can be. It's, it's one of the most deadly things that, and one of the most dangerous things that we do on a daily basis. Um, you know, it's one of the leading causes of death in our country. I believe 40,000 people die a year in automobile accidents across the country. Um, you know, so it's especially leading a leading cause for young people. Um, it's especially dangerous for them. Um, and so, you know, taking people out of their cars and, and trying to find other solutions like passenger rail, like commuter rail, like public transit, like walking and biking um, is, is a better solution for our communities in that way, too, just from a health perspective. So um, that's kind of why we're, we're big proponents of, of those forms of travel. An example of how many vehicles come off the road you know, with a, a more public transit system like that, um, you know, it really makes the picture a little clearer, you know, of you've got hundreds of vehicles doing these, well, thousands of vehicles doing these commutes. And it it's just makes more sense to have a one vehicle taking all the people. Um, it, it just, I guess in my head, it is clear. And I always look at, you know, like taking that trip from Milwaukee to Chicago, on the train. Um, I love it. I can sit there, read a book, you know, time goes by, you're there. Um, real easy. You don't have to find parking. You can just jump right back in and head home. Um, so yeah, I think you laid that out quite well. Um, and I know we're, we're kind of running low on time. So I do want to get to a couple of questions here. Um, first one, just kind of a random fun one I like to ask, but you know, if you had, you know, the magic wand question, you know, if you had everything in place and you could do, you know, whatever in your mind was the, the perfect vision of, you know, transit for this area, um, you know, go crazy, go sci-fi, whatever, uh, whatever you think of, but, 
maybe in your experience, what, what do you think would be a really cool solution to the transportation? Oh man, that is a question. How much time do you have? Um, <laughs> What and don't I worry, would... we won't hold you to any of it. Just, uh, <laughs> just uh, you know, I appreciate just for fun. It. You know, what I would do if I had a magic wand would be just to change the priorities on how we fund things. Um, are you familiar with the kind of the food pyramid that was, was popular in the 1980s and 1990s? It was fairly ubiquitous in the public school system where I went. Um, yes. Where, you know, at the bottom, it's obviously outdated now because the bottom was carbs. <laughs> and, right. And then, it, you know, and then it was meat and, and, and veggies and fruit. And then and, uh, and then at the very top of the pyramid was sugar and oils and fats. And it said, use sparingly. And so what we've done with our transportation system now is we've put automobiles first. And automobiles are great at an individual level it goes exactly where you want to go exactly when you want to go you know it's the exact temperature that you want it to be and it even plays the music that you like you know and so that system you know works really well when individuals are using it but when everybody starts to use it it starts to clog up our system uh i didn't even realize this pun but it starts to clog up all of our arteries and so we we have a funding system right now that is, you know, exclusively pouring money into that system. It is above all else, you know, the primary vehicle. It's the base of our pyramid. It's almost all of our pyramid. And just at the very top of how we fund things is just walking, biking, and transit just kind of gets some leftovers. So the thing that we should be using sparingly is is kind of hurting our entire ecosystem it's it's making our cities unhealthy it's dangerous to people it is unhealthy from the environment it is fiscally ruining our transportation uh, funding streams so i would change that funding structure and try and find a healthier balance um you know one that is based on public transportation first um making sure that everyone can can access our communities you know through public transportation and and be able to travel between communities which is a real struggle now as you as you mentioned earlier you know getting between madison and milwaukee if you if you don't drive is, is a real challenge um so finding a system that's based on public transportation first um you know making sure that walking and biking are a part of you know the next level up making sure everyone can uh, you know access these zero forms of transportation and feel safe to use them. And then I would put, um, you know, automobile infrastructure at the very top, the thing that we should be, you know, using sparingly. Um, Cause there will, there will always be a place for vehicles in our, in our society. But if we continue to, you know, fund them at that level, at our ongoing level, we will be completely unable to answer to solve our you know climate issues and we will continue to find ourselves with a failing transportation fund so that's what i would do with a magic wand i would i would change our funding priorities well yeah that was a great answer um you know very practical and uh responsible answer i i like it and i think that's you know i think that comes down with a lot of things is really where's the focus um and i'm sure there's an industry factor involved in that and there's uh you know popularity factor you know we've we've kind of got a societal view of how this all goes and you know i i think it's awesome that people like yourself are out there you know getting this stuff a little more mainstream and and really reaching the the public and showing 
you know, these examples, again, like I said, I have learned a ton talking with professionals like yourself. So, so good. That's cool. Um, I guess. And then on a little more of a practical note as well, um, what I like to ask is, you know, what's a good thing you can say to the audience? You know, how can we all as individuals take a little more responsibility and a little more action on this topic? That's a great question. Um, You know, I like to engage people uh, in this way, too, just because transportation is one of those things that everyone kind of takes for granted. I don't think people sit down and, and, and think about you know, looking out the window, what is, you know, what does my street look like and, and how do I interact with it? And, and, you know, they've always just kind of been there. And so, you know, I like to try and encourage people to think outside of the box a little bit, you know, you will make a huge difference in your, in our society. If you can find a way to, instead of getting in your car, just walk or bike for a short trip, you know, if it's a trip that's under a mile, you know, consider walking there when, when you may have gotten in your vehicle, you know, if it's, if it's one or two miles, maybe consider biking it. Um, and furthermore, you know, if, if you don't have a bus pass, you know, look to see if, if there's any, any bus routes near you, um, and just challenge yourself to, even if it's just once a, you know, a once a month or once a week, get on a bus and try and just use a different form of transportation. You will be really, you'll be contributing to the solution. You know, you'll be helping to kind of support the systems that will reduce our emissions and and make Wisconsin a more sustainable place. So, you know, just try and get out of your car. And if if you, you know, have a a place of work that's hard to get to, you know, consider carpooling with someone, you know, because between the two of you, if you if you get one person to carpool with, you will literally have the amount of emissions that, you know, we're going to be used that day. It's going to, it's a huge impact. So, you know, I would just say that all of these small things add up and, you know, just to push yourself to everyone, you know, every once in a while, get creative and try the alternative. Um, it'll, it, it, some, you know, fr- frankly, it'll be, it'll be maybe fun. It'll be healthy and you may enjoy it a lot more than you realize. Yeah. Thank you. That was uh, a great answer. Um, you know, and I think, yeah, you, you know, we all might be surprised at some of these new forms of transportation and, you know, how it might be just, yeah, like you said, fun to get out, try something new. And, um, you know, I think it is a good challenge that we can all jump on, um, myself included, which, you know, gets, gets tricky at times. I'm way out in the, the suburbs, but, uh, you know, I drive a lot for work and maybe, you know, some of the more social visits I can do you know, with a different form of transportation. Got to get the bike out of the garage and get it up and going. (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, I totally understand. There's, I mean, there's so much inertia against so many people. I mean, a lot of people have just been driving their entire lives and and it's, you know, you're in a real comfort zone. I mean, like I said earlier, it's, it's a, it's a form of transportation that is leaves exactly when you want it to leave it arrives you know exactly when you want it to you know get there pretty much you know at the exact temperature you want playing the music you like you know it's really comforting so you know everyone it it just becomes everybody's trips all the time and and even if we can take one of those trips and change people's you know perspective on on you know oh it just takes one bike trip or getting one trip on a bus to understand oh this isn't that scary and oh this actually does this is efficient and, and actually you're anything like me oh actually I, mean, I do like this so but i get it there's so much inertia against it so i don't blame yeah. anybody 
yeah, but still, you know, once you once you learn, it's like you gotta you gotta give it a shot. Um, so mm. yeah, Greg, you know, I really appreciate you jumping on here. You had some awesome information to share. Um, you know, I hope we get a chance to chat again. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in this that you know I certainly want to do do a bit more investigating myself. But I really appreciate your time, and um, you know, we'll get this out to the audience. Yeah, thank you, Alec. And, um, you know, like I said, thank you for having me on. And, and keep a lookout for our report that's coming out in October about, you know, uh, a zero form, carbon, form of transportation, a zero carbon transportation system in Wisconsin. It's going to be called Blueprint 2050. So thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can't get that into the show notes and, and uh, see if we can get some more people to view it and, and take some interest in this. And and check out all the, the organizations that Greg mentioned. Um, we'll try to get those into the show notes as well. And, you know, keep these these great organizations going. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, I really had a good time with this conversation. And to everyone listening, you know, see what you can do to, to take some of these points to heart. You know, give, give some other forms of transportation a try. You know, each little bit of action on our part really can help this bigger picture of sustainability. So thank you all for joining us and uh, join us next time for another episode of Greencast. Make sure to check out Greencast on Facebook where we post the most up-to-date information, release episodes, provide a lot more resources about things you heard on the show, and have conversations about episodes and sustainability in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and beyond. Also, if you're interested in the Waukesha County Green Team, please check out our website and Facebook page and come to one of our board meetings. They're always open to the public. Greencast is produced through the Waukesha County Green Team by Alec Lapoitevin and Laura Laux, with help from Stacey Balsley. Our theme music is by Dan Krill and Emma Kopel. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, sustainability starts with all of us.